again. All right. Okay. No idea what that was all about. All right. All right. Your voice is totally back. So anyhow, I don't, I was talking about uh, yeah. confessionalism and Paul's experiment between his meetup, which isn't confessional. That's focused more on behavior. It's a lot more like an AA meeting. Right. Which is people coming together. Doesn't matter your confession. We're just right. trying to get better and work on addiction. And then a confessional mm -hmm. group. And my argument would be that as a rule and exception, granted there's exceptions to this, but as a rule, the one works and helps people out of addiction and is actually honest and open and authentic if people do what they're supposed to. The other mm -hmm. one will work sometimes, but as a rule it won't because the confession and the rules and the legality in, in Jonathan hate terms binds and blinds. And it really, you exclude people based off of shorthand labels. What I would argue what, it, what confessionalism is, is essentially a psychotechnology. And something I'm learning about technologies through people like Jacques Ellul and this other book I'm reading about modern technology is technology, fundamentally what technology does by nature is divorces from the real. And, and, and I think then what happens is like, it's, it's a shortcut. It's a shortcut toward community where you're wanting openness and transparency and commitment and things like that. And you're thinking that through this confession, you'll be able to just like, skip a bunch of these steps to get to a place where like we all we're all center around this identity around these ideas but the problem with that is like the problem with that is legion is like people don't know what they believe your beliefs are like an iceberg people mm -hmm. are self-deceived about what they believe um, you can lie you can lie you can um you can manipulate the system people are sinful with it and they'll exclude people based on i mean what do you think modern 80s culture wars are like, mm -hmm. that's what that is. Conservatives and progressive evangelicals fighting. That's what it is. And I guess my big thing is what I'm trying to argue is like, that's not, that's not like, that's not the exception. That's the rule. Yeah. So like yeah. the whole, the whole thing is broken inherently, like as a spirit, you know, the spirit's off. Yeah. So, so the church I grew up in was, both very doctrinal, but also did not have a statement of faith or anything like that because right. we were small and we were very tight knit. Mm -hmm. And so we could use the family mode of operation yep. to kind of know who is in and who is out. Yep. And like if we needed to, you know, promote someone to be pastor, we didn't, you know, sit them down and hammer out, you know, this and the other thing. It's just we had interacted with them for right. 15 years. And so, so that was more valuable than the psych, what the psychotechnology could offer. Right. But the problem is, is that we were, you know, 100 people max on a good Sunday. And right. more like 40 or 50 on an average one. And, and there's something, the psychotechnology of confessionalism affords scale and it affords a quick shortcut into community right like i have i've moved around a bunch right i've lived yeah. in chicago i've lived in wisconsin i've lived in massachusetts and the things that churches can do is that you can get into groups and make friends and have deep friendships very quickly and i would notice that my secular friends wouldn't be able to find as deep of community as quickly as I could, because I could be like, well, I'll just go to the church that's similar to churches I've already been yep. to, you know, and then 
bada boom, bada bing, I, I already have something close to a community. Yeah. And, and confessionalism helps with that. That's part of why that works. So can I push on that a little? Yeah, yeah. So like, I would agree. And, and, I, and I've had that same experience. And that's, that's a prominent thing that people talk about is like atheist communities have a hard time forming because they're not centered around these church, churches that are formed confessionally. But, but that's more like, that's just the world that we live in within a, within a Protestant country is churches are going to be confessional, but they don't necessarily have to be. And so, but here's the thing is like you, but you're not, but you're not leading with like your honest, you in particular with non-Trinitarianism, you're not leading with that. You're keeping no. that you're keeping that tucked way, way, way back here. And then maybe after the course of a really long um, relationship where people get to the point where like, they really know you and they trust you and kind of all these things that I were saying were like, you're help you, you have to weigh against, okay, this is Sam. I know him, mm -hmm. but then he's got this thing that's wrong. What do I do with that? That's a very different place than just like the quick expedient psychotechnology. That's just like non-Trinitarian bad out. Right. Nothing. No right. time of day. You're out. If I brought that up um, on my first Sunday or the first time going to a Bible study, I would probably be shown the door or maybe I would be treated slightly nicely, but the pastor would want to sit down with me and right. I would probably be barred from most activities. Right. Um, and so, but the thing is, is if I don't bring it up, everyone's like, oh, Sam's one of us. Um, and so it, it's, yeah, so then weird. here, so then what is really the center of the community and the connection? Mm -hmm. Is it really built on authenticity and transparency or is it built on a projection of identity around shorthand labels and identitarianism? Or, or is it that the propositions have separated from that deeper inner sense of he's one of us, right? we maybe have the elephant that can recognize who's one of us and who isn't. And theoretically the propositions are supposed to do the same thing, but is it that there's some drift or some disconnect or that this just isn't very specific and sensitive, whereas the elephant knows in a deeper, truer way. Sometimes I feel like, like if I were to create a 10 question pop quiz on Christology decisions from the church councils and have like one answer be here was the answer that the church council decided here are the three things they anathemized and right. just take a 10 question pop quiz and pass that out to my bible study like what would the average percent right be not 100 percent not 100 percent not 100 percent no 100 percent I agree with your point but the yes yeah. <laughs> but it would yeah. not be 100 percent <laughs> correct yes right so so what, so like, what's going on? Yeah. And, and I've been thinking about this a long time and I don't feel like I have this really figured out yet either. Cause I, it's not that I don't think doctrine is unimportant, right? That's another part of my posture is I do think doctrine is important. Right. Like I think this Trinity question is important and yes. I think that I disagree is important. But I don't think it's important in quite the same way you, the, you, the church thinks it's important. So let me, let me um, share another point of another person who has 
a more famous example of someone who's been excluded from things based off of doctrinal things. And, and it's also personal to me. I think I maybe mentioned it in one of my responses in a YouTube comment or something, but um, so, and I've made it known on the discord and things. I'm a fan of Rob Bell. I like him. I don't agree yeah. with him on everything. I like him. Rob think- Bell was my water skiing instructor when I was a kid at summer camp. That's fantastic. I didn't learn universalism from him, but I learned how to water ski. Well, maybe not explicitly. <laughs> not explicitly. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, so he, when I lived in Iowa, and this just happened, this was just like a synchronicity. I happened to be reading um, Velvet Elvis, his first book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, at the same time, for whatever reason, I was going to a, uh, conservative evangelical church but at the exact same time that I had read this particular portion of this book the pastor commented it on it from a sermon and used it as an illustration and so Rob in his book he uses he um, he has this section where he says our doctrines our doctrines more like bricks in a wall or springs on a trampoline and so he says, when you start pulling out doctrines of like, I don't know if I believe this. I don't know if I believe that I'm questioning that he's like, does the wall fall down? Or is it more like there's a trampoline where you're just like, I take out this spring. I take out this spring. I take out this spring. I don't know if I can affirm that, but can you keep jumping? Mm-hmm. He said, I would, I would contend that faith is a lot more like, and doctrine has a relationship much more like a trampoline than like a brick wall. And, but in that illustration, he said, he he listed some specifics of like the virgin birth. Um, that's the one in particular I remember. He probably said like inerrancy, whatever. Pick your pet doctrine. Mm-hmm. And then the pastor from the pulpit, this is the whole point of the story, said something like his his takeaway point was essentially that he had heard of that book or read the book or something. And he said, Rob Bell does not think the virgin birth is necessary. And I said, that's not what he said. He didn't say that at right. all. He didn't say that anywhere right. in the book. Right, right. And, and I think, I actually think, so I was saying this, I don't know if I was saying it to Jeff or if I wrote it to Paul, but I was saying, right. what I actually he, he think Kathy, Rob, He Kathy Newman'd him, right? Yes, for right. sure. So what you're saying is, 100%. is the virgin birth is not important. No, that's right. Not, no. I actually think what Rob yeah. did is exactly what Jordan Peterson's doing with the resurrection. Because even now, I think if you ask Rob Bell, like, do you think the virgin birth is necessary? I don't think Rob Bell would answer. No matter what he personally believes, he would just be like, I'm not playing that game. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear, which is a very Jordan Peterson thing. Right. And, I, and Jordan Peterson would be like, I'm not going to play your resurrection identitarian game. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mm-hmm. do it. I know what you're doing, and I'm not doing that. And so, And I think what's so interesting, and then – and very famously, I mean, you know, I went to John Piper's church for a long time. And then after Rob wrote his love, you know, he had this back and forth relationship. John Piper tweeted at him like, farewell, Rob Bell. Yeah, yeah. That's what confessionalism gets you. That, mm-hmm. I would argue. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's not healthy. It's not good. Like, this is what I was trying to talk about in my conversation with Paul is that what confessionalism will do is it will bind and blind and you'll have a statement of faith. And what you'll really only you'll end up doing is you'll attract people either in a conservative sphere. So like I affirm this, 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 I'm pro-life, I'm more Republican leaning. I believe you should have your guns. I believe, you know, in certain tenets of nationalism, or you'll get the progressives over here that are like, 
We don't believe in those things. We believe immigrate immigrants have value. We believe, but like they're just, they're both conservative tendencies. They just have a different hierarchy of what they value and they exclude mm -hmm. everyone else. Well, you're playing the same game. Mm -hmm. you're spiritually, you're doing the same thing. Like, and, and I'm not going to like, and I am not going to then come in there and say like, I affirm this and this and this and this and this and this. I, what my whole point is like, I'm not playing that game. I think everyone mm -hmm. should stop playing that game. So how do you think that the Orthodox church is doing this differently? Like, what if I were to show up to an Orthodox church? Cause I can't recite the Nicene Creed either. Sure. Sure. So, so this is where I think it's complicated. So in my, in my last, my second aired talk with Paul, he kind of pushed back because I was talking about the West and how this thing is endemic to the West and globalism and my whole technological babble thing. And he was saying, well, that's in the East too. But I think what's happened in our modern globalized society is modernism has become globalized. So even though I would think it's not inherent to the East, it's been affected in the East because so like how that would play out an example for you is like the Orthodox church, I don't think the Orthodox Church theologically and historically and philosophically thinks about doctrine in the ways that we've been talking about. However, like when I go to my local parish, all these people, or not all of them, but now it's starting to be, most of them are born America. Most of them are raised American. They are somewhat a spiritually Protestant Orthodox Church. So like they're mm -hmm. going to have it. There, there's a lot of influence of modernity within that church. Mm -hmm. And so like, how does it play? So that becomes complicated, like how it plays out on a practical level, because I would say within the teaching of the church, the kind of confessionalism that I'm critiquing is a no go. It's a non-starter, mm -hmm. but, but we're pretty modern and Westing at culturally because yeah. of the modern world and so like if you came for example what, what i think would happen and again i'm no expert you know if you came to our church um i do think that if if even if you an honest conscience could never say um i affirm the nicene creed i don't know that you would ever be invited um into into communion and like into the sacraments into communion like i don't think you probably would i mean i don't know you know i'm not a priest mm -hmm. and maybe there's variability in that but i but i doubt that you would but like but this is what's this is what's so interesting to me and i don't I, and i don't know with with all of that what's right about it i mean it's it's a it's a hard place to be for the church because like you were saying are there many people, are there many, this is like a wheat and tares thing. Are there many people mm -hmm. that go to the church that affirm all these things and take communion that don't really believe them? Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, but they just say the right things. And so what's better, just saying the right things either ignorantly or even worse with motivated ignorance. Yeah. Trying to be authentic and not affirming it. Like what, what's a better thing? Or, or even saying it aspirationally, right? I could sure. imagine people in that camp where I kind of want to believe those things. They don't, but I'm, I'm uh, acting as if I'm uh, yeah. doing the Pascal thing right now. Yeah. And that's a lot of people on the so, Discord are that way, right? 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, I think of seems that way. Job's that, that way, like, uh, Voth or Voth or whatever his name is. I mean, he's kind of that way. Yeah. Like, he just, in good conscience, there's certain things they can't, they can't say. But I guess what I'm, and I don't know how to say it, but, like, just as a, as an FYI of where I am, like, even in my, in my deconstruction of all these things, and, like, I have to figure out where I am and what I think about all this stuff, something happened in mm-hmm. me existentially where like i don't know what i think about all these finer points of doctrine and it's not that i don't think they're important but i can go there and i can say the creed and i can do all the things and i, I mean we're not even orthodox yet but i can go there in good conscience and do all that stuff not knowing what i think about it and and there's some way that my relationship to all of it is just different like it doesn't bother me and i don't have to figure it out anymore Interesting. So I I don't have very much personal experience with orthodoxy. My main experience is with people on the Discord server. And I like I had some Greek uh, friends growing up, Uh but in their lives, it really seems like the Orthodox Church was just like an ethnic community center that was basically for what Jewish people have, but for Greek people. Yeah, I think it is a lot. And so, um, but we, I, apparently it's not always that way, but at, like for Catholics, and I have a lot of experience with Catholics. My mom's side of the family is Catholic, Irish Catholic. For a lot of Catholics, it's more like just a, 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 or a posture of submission to the church. Mm-hmm. And like, you could go down the list and find all sorts of things that they disagree about with the church. Sure. Like a shocking number of things that right. they disagree about. But, you know, there's Catholics and they will, right. they will go and they will take communion. They will respect the priest and they will go through the motions, literally. Right. And literally. Um, and, and that's like a posture that can be had within Catholicism. Seems yeah. Like is like well that's my church and they're right about things but just don't ask me my real opinion right and there's part of that right that's really that to me is like really beautiful like that's Mm -hmm. cool but then there's still like the protestant within me that's partially elephant partially writer that is like thinking luther indulgences like that's not abuse institutional brokenness hypocrisy yeah hypocrisy pedophilia Mm -hmm. right (laughs) Right. You know, um, so I have all those things going on and, and I'm just, and this is where like even between Orthodox and Catholicism, I mean, I don't, if this ever gets posted and I don't know how many of like the more active Catholics watch the rando videos, but, um, but like that would be something that would be interesting for me to have like Carlos or Mary or Andreas respond or something to be like, how do Catholics respond to that? Because the Orthodox, what I know of Orthodoxy is that's always been a distinct difference between what was called like the Latin West and the Orthodox church was people within Orthodoxy always saw the Catholic church as much. They had a spirit of scholasticism and dogma and dotting the I's and crossing the T's where in the East it was all, it was always much more about at least within what won the day was more of the mystical apophatic approach, you know, that flew out of like Gregory of Nyssa and Gregory Palamas and those guys. Um, And so it wasn't ever, the only way I can just, I don't know how to really say it, but it's, but to me, it feels like, it feels like the existential thing that happened to me when 
and I, and I, I don't even know how to say it. It's not that I stopped caring, but I had to, st- but I, but I, I stopped having to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I stopped having to, I stopped having to have my belief centered in my conscious mind. Right. And there was a, some amount of, of trust or de, de-emphasizing your own control over yeah. the thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It was a complete release of that. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. You're making a lot more sense to me now. Um, <laughs> and I, I can, I can see that. I can see that. Um, for me, the weird thing is, is like, if I, I don't even know what church I would be able to do that for, right. That sort of mm. trust handing over control. Cause it's like, well, there's the Orthodox and even then there's multiple kinds of Orthodox mm-hmm. and there's the Catholics and then there are bajillion types of Protestantism. And it's like, I can see some of their different claims to authenticity or authority and stuff like that, but it, it's sort of a buffet at this point and I would have to trust myself to know which one to trust in. And yeah. that, seems, that seems paradoxical. Yeah. And I still think, I don't know, I had... I don't think I've said this to you. There's still a big part of me. Like I'm not a big, I wouldn't say that I'm an advocate to just being like in my ideal world. It's not where like everyone becomes Orthodox. Uh Mm -hmm. I don't, um, I just don't, I think that really for most people and most temperaments and, and even, even with my, I don't know, even for me, if that was the best thing, Right. I I almost actually, and part of this is maybe my temperament. Like I'm just a weird, I'm like a, I don't know if you know the Enneagram. I'm a four on the Enneagram. So I'm a weirdo. I forget the numbers, but I've so taken like, it before. I'm the romantic individualist. Mm-hmm. Just one way that they've been described is they're simultaneously like think they're God's gift to the world and also the worst thing to happen to humanity. <laughs> like, so like what I, you're saying is you're Calvinist. Well, <laughs> parts of that really, parts of that really relate to me. And like, I'm working, well, I could, I'll tell you some other time, but there's an aside of a personal thing that I'm working through in my own life that would detract from all of this, that I was talking to a guy about this morning that I meet with weekly. And I was just like openly weeping in a coffee shop for like a half an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, that's flowing out of a lot of that stuff. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, it's a, uh, I, I, it's too much. And really like, this is all stuff that we've learned through Jordan Peterson, Paul for is like, there's the world is too big for you to just like, who was saying that recently? Like almost looking at religion as like a buffet and saying like, I'm just going to pick and choose these things. Well, that's a little bit of like, which, what church am I gonna? Yeah. Yeah. I just, the, the world is too big and you're too small almost to do that. There's this Cormac McCarthy quote that I always love going to from all the pretty horses, but essentially like, I think almost the best thing that you can do is as faithfully and honestly and earnestly as you can practice your faith in the tradition in which you were raised. Yeah. Well, here's a question. What if the church you were raised in dies and it was not part of a denomination. That's literally what happened to me, hmm. right? Like I, I left um, the Chicago suburbs when I graduated high school to go to college. Hmm. And, you know, I went back for like Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff like that. Yeah. But I moved back to Chicago basically 10 years later after living in other places. And by the time I got home, my church had died. Yeah. Um, 
and for weird historical reasons, people don't know very many biblical Unitarians because there aren't very many, right? Or they're and, closeted. <laughs> or they're closeted um, and don't yeah. have their own churches. Yeah. So I, I'm like a ship that went on a voyage and came back and its home port was destroyed. Right. And, and I can't authentically <clears throat> participate in the tradition of my fathers. Right. right? And yeah. so... So then, so I don't even have that option. So, but I'm like kind of doing that by maintaining my own personal convictions on these things. Sure. But I have to do like a second best for that um, right. by picking other churches and they're almost exclusively Trinitarian churches. And then I have this weird conflict or, you know, thing that, that comes up. Right. Well, and I think, <clears throat> and that's where I, I was in somewhat of a similar place because I, I've always said I'm kind of an evangelical mutt. So like, what is my tradition? Right, right. You know, like it's, it's a little bit more of a, that kind of is a like forced choose your own buffet yeah. adventure. Um, yeah. I remember when you were saying this and I mean, again, this isn't just what's popping into my head. So I'm not like saying you need to do this to promote it, but um, there's this guy who a priest, he's in California somewhere, Northern California, but Josiah Trenum who, a long time ago, um, Sarah had mentioned him to me because he did, he did a book and he has this YouTube, there's two YouTube videos called Rock and Sand on like interacting with reform doctrine from an Orthodox perspective. Cause he used to be, he went to like Westminster Theological Seminary and was reformed mm -hmm. and, and he became Orthodox. And he said one of the big reasons that he became Orthodox because they asked him that it's a Q and A thing is he said, I, I didn't know if my church would exist for my children when they were grown. Yeah. And he mm -hmm. said, and he knew with the Orthodox church, like it would, it, it was almost yeah. the constancy of the church that drew him to Orthodoxy. And, um, yeah. and that is, you know, that is a strength, I think, yeah. of those longstanding traditions. Um, right. 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 And so, Another weird thing about me is, you know, so I, I have strong opinions on certain topics, you know, yeah. from Christology to other stuff, but I also know how much it sucks to be excluded and right. what it feels like <laughs> yeah. to be on the outside. So I have like this weird double thing where I think doctrine's important, but I don't think doctrine's important. And that, <laughs> yeah. that I, I have a very, this isn't my natural tendency, but I feel like I've come to a very ec ecumenical conclusion. Kind of like what you were saying, you're not sure if the goal would be to have everyone become orthodox. Like, it doesn't bother me at all that, like, say, Job is going to his Dutch church and maybe is kind of interested in Catholicism, but he'll probably just go to the Dutch Protestant yeah. church. Like, for me, I'm like, awesome, right? And it's not like I'm like, oh, we lost another one to the Dutch Calvinist or right. something like that. Um, that doesn't bother me at all. And the other weird thing is, is I don't have a church to invite people into, right? I don't have, oh, come join my thing. It's great. I'm, I'm like, no, you could come join my thing, but it sucks. Um, and yeah. So, so I feel like the only conclusion that I can come to is I've seen lots of great Christian people elephant wise in all sorts of things, right? Like some of my Catholic relatives are, were just 
bombshell Christians, just like amazing people. Like my grandmother was just, just a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, and I know, I know really good Christians from lots of different denominations. I guess my posture is, is that I think we need to open up some of the boundaries or at least open up the range of possibility of discussion and stance on some topics, especially ones that seem to have grown somewhat stale over the last 2000 years. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't, I agree with you. I just, I just ultimately like that's kind of why I ended up leaving Protestantism is I could just, I just never found that. Yeah. Um, and I actually, that I talk about that in my first conversation with Paul and then also, um, Pete ends, which I thought his conversation with T jump was fantastic, but he, who? Pete ends, you know who Pete ends is? No. Okay. So he, it, it got thrown around. There's so much stuff thrown around on the discord, but he's an author and he's kind of, He's one of those guys that was, um, Paul will talk about him sometimes. He was in reform circles for a while, was at, I don't know, he was in like Paul's circles, I think. And then eventually mm -hmm. he kind of started changing his beliefs and got, and now he's like in this liminal place of like, people think he's a progressive. I don't really think he's a progressive, but he's, but he's mm -hmm. written books on like. I, I should warn you, maybe a five minute or less warning, my flight's starting to board. Oh, Okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, so he, anyhow, he, I like a lot of his stuff and he had a conversation with this atheist T jump and I just loved everything he said. Like it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And it was on the discord the other day. I'll send it to you. And, um, but he came out to Minneapolis and that's what I said to him. There was like a Q and a, I went and saw him live and said it to him it was like, essentially that's why I ended up leaving evangelicalism. It was almost deficiency on my part just because I was always craving what you like this thing that's happened with the Paul Vanderclay world and everything. This is what we always wanted church to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's not. And I could never no. find it locally. And I would argue that, like, again, you maybe will, but it'll be the exception, not the rule. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because this underlying spirit. And so, like, to your point, I, I don't know if that spirit is fundamentally capable of reform because I think it goes all the way back to the Reformation. Mm -hmm. I think the spirit flows from that and it's all tied into modernity. And um, I mean, essentially that's what my whole idea of like technological yeah. babbles about. Mm -hmm. Well, but, I'll need to think more about your uh, prognosis, but I do agree with your diagnosis. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard. Well, I, I mean, dude, I empathize with your situation a ton. And I think that you, uh, I mean, I just, I'm a, I'm kind of an empath and I'm just like, oh, God, I just, I can imagine, I can imagine so many scenarios that you've gone through and like, I just feel like I can feel it. And it's just mm -hmm. like, ah, I, and because like, I've just tasted like that kind of thing a little like I'm sure like my, my worst church example uh, that I mentioned in that first talk with Paul, like I'm sure you've had that a hundred times to the point where like, you know, you're pretty seasoned and good at dealing with it. And, um, and partially my heart breaks for you, but not only you, I'm just like, I want to yeah. fix the thing that's underneath that. 
yeah. and try to or speak to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll hopefully be talking with Paul sometime. I haven't gotten a spot on his calendar, but I, I check that link as, uh, when I can. All right, so I need to go board yeah. my flight. But right. anyway, it was, it was great talking with you. I really appreciate it. This is, this is helpful to process these things. I'm good. I always really enjoy it. You're one of my faves. So. All right. Likewise. We'll see you later. And I feel like I'm really getting to understand you better too. Well, thank uh, you. That's good. That's like, that's, you say that to a four on the Enneagram. That's just like, you're, I mean, you're cooking <laughs> pushing with. The, pushing the love language. Button. Oh man, that's what I love. You tell me you understand me. I tell you what. <laughs> All right. See you soon. All right. See ya. Bye.